Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, J.C. Sherbert here with you. January 11th. It's a Tuesday, folks, and um, lots of news uh, coming out yesterday on the recruiting end of things. And so figured we'd uh, bust a podcast out today, uh, considering (laughs) everything that happened. Uh, Thanks, as always, to Heritage Digital for sponsoring the News and Notes segment of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. And thank you for tuning in today. Um, South Carolina doing work in the transfer portal. Shane Beamer and his staff, uh, really, when you look at guys out of the portal, there's a lot of different ways you can go. Uh, I think you you always got to take a guy that's an upgrade. Uh, If it's a younger guy, obviously, he needs to meet the standards of your football program as you would with a freshman or someone like that. If it's an older guy, then uh, obviously, he needs to be a guy that can come in and play. Uh, And so South Carolina kind of has a mix. I think all these guys actually – uh, for 2022, uh, have a chance to be key contributors. Uh, as we talked about on the podcast Monday, Terrell Dawkins, North Carolina State defensive end from Concord, North Carolina, committed over the weekend. He was one of four visitors. And it turns out the Gamecocks ended up going four for four. Uh, Devonnie Reed, a safety from Central Michigan. Uh, go watch this kid's film uh, from Central Michigan. His highlights, he had – Uh, Really good performances against SEC programs. Uh, He's a hitter. He's a coverer. Uh, He's a guy that I think can step in and start and uh, sort of replace Jalen Foster. Uh, It it sounds – I don't think anybody would think we were saying that at this time last year, but uh, Jalen Foster was an All-American and certainly was a a stellar contributor at safety this year. So, Devonnie Reed. Uh, Detroit area prospect went to Central Michigan. I, I think he's a special player. And I actually think if you're the Gamecocks, you sort of feel fortunate to get him because 
uh, you know, th- this is a guy I think could have declared for the draft and been drafted depending on his combine. Uh, and so he uh, publicly went public yesterday. Uh, Antoine Webb, uh, Wells, sorry, from James Madison, a much-needed receiver uh, in this class. Uh, he is from Richmond, Virginia, Highland Springs, had visited over the weekend. Yesterday, it seemed like he was going to take an official visit to North Carolina. He canceled that yesterday and decided to go all in with the Gamecocks. Uh, huge pickup, uh, I think, really the first receiver from the portal. The Gamecocks have been able to land. He's got good size, good hands, good speed, explosive. Just about anybody you talk to about this guy thinks he's a special player uh, heading to South Carolina. <clears throat> of course, you know, FCS level, James Madison is a powerhouse at that level, but, you know, there's always adjustment uh, to the SEC and things of that nature uh, to power five football. But this guy certainly has uh, a big skill set. And uh, I, I think when you talk about adding him to a Jaheim Bell, to a Josh Van, to maybe an Amarian Brown, Xavier Leggett, uh, all those guys, you know, th- this is a big piece of the puzzle. Do I think they need one more receiver? Yes. Uh, I think it would be good to get one more. Uh, maybe two if they can find it, but one more at least. Uh, and, but, but Wells, getting him in the boat, you know, and, and this is a kid, he and he and Reed both had tons of scholarship offers, Texas, Miami, North Carolina. Uh, it wasn't like the Gamecocks found some super secret guy and just got him. Uh, th- these guys had lots of options out of the portal. If that means a lot to you, I don't know that it means a lot to me, Jordan Strong, really just sort of left Georgia state and went to South Carolina and there was, you know, no competition for him, but uh, I think he could be a really good player uh, next year for the Gamecocks. And he was very good this year, but you know, these are legit guys, uh, you know, that, that other schools wanted uh, when they would look at the portal and want to acquire talent. Another heavily recruited guy running back, Christian Bill Smith, he's from the Winston-Salem, kind of the triad area. He played at Wake Forest. He was their leading rusher the last two years. Um, kind of a, a different type of back, more built low to the ground. Um, not like Kevin Harris, more, I don't know, just different. Uh, maybe he reminds me a little of Adam Choice, who used to play at Clemson. Maybe not. I don't know if that's a good comparison. But uh, – you know, South Carolina losing Zaquandre White and Kevin Harris. They want to get one, maybe two running backs from the portal uh, just for depth. Because, like, look, man, you can't go into a season with three. Because uh, what if one gets hurt and then you're left with two? And then, you know, what if one of those guys gets hurt? Then you're moving Jaheim Bell to running back. <laughs> so, uh, so that's the deal there. Uh, and he'll come in and compete for – playing time with Marshawn Lloyd and Juju McDowell and Rashad Amos. And then I think the game could very well get one more running back before all is said and done. So that's the news uh, on the recruiting and the, the analysis segment coming up. And we'll talk about these guys, uh, but that's uh, that a big day for South Carolina recruiting uh, on the day of the national championship game where people are talking about college football uh, congratulations to the Georgia Bulldogs. First time in 41 years the Dogs win the national championship uh, over Alabama 33-18. to 18. That was the second meeting uh, between those two teams. Alabama won the first one 41-24, obviously, in the SEC championship game. And obviously, Jamison Williams 
got hurt in this one. Uh, Mitchie was hurt previously. Um, you know, Alabama's a little shorthanded, and, and as good as they recruit and as talented as, as some of their younger receivers are, uh, it was really tough for them to get going against the Georgia defense. And I, I thought Alabama, after the t- they finally score a touchdown, 18-13, right? Uh, I thought at that point, I was like, Alabama's defense had been playing extremely well uh, the whole game. And then all of a sudden, Georgia opens it up. You have to admire a story like Stetson Bennett. I tell you guys all the time, uh, you know, you never know in college football. You can't just sit there and go, well, you know, there's not a quarterback on the roster because all these other schools have five stars or whatever. You know, sometimes it is your five-star guys. Sometimes it's your Trevor Lawrence's and Justin Fields. Sometimes it's your Kyle Trask, too, <laughs> or, or your uh, Zach Wilson, who played for BYU, who was a high draft pick, or, you know, the kid from North Dakota State that ended up going to the 49ers. Um, quarterback is a – I don't want to say a crapshoot because it's not, but but it's a position that's so hard that not everybody can step in right away and perform, and, and I think with – the transfer portal these days and, and the fact that you only play one, you know, you've got a guy that's been a starter that gets beat out. And that happens from time to time. Like in Spencer Rattler's case, he's leaving and going someplace else. And usually there's enough to go around, but it, it, it's not, it's not as simple as, you know, and I, and I know a lot of South Carolina people because the other school you follow the closest is Clemson. You know, Oh, Trevor Lawrence, see what Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence did for them. And you're absolutely right. I mean, that's absolutely there's no question, <laughs> but that's just not always the model, <clears throat> you know, for every Tua at Bama, uh, there has been a Mac Jones at Bama for every AJ McCarron. There's been a, a Jacob Coker, uh, for every, uh, Greg McElroy, you know, there's been a Jalen hurts. I mean, it, it goes kind of back and forth, even with that program. So Stetson Bennett, I, I think, you know, a lot of people were giving him crap. You know, you saw the the, the, the bad fumble play. And, you know, it was a marginal call. Um, the call that I felt like the ACC officiating crew actually got right uh, was the fumble recovery because I, I thought he'd stepped out of bounds and you looked at it from up top and he actually just barely got his foot in bounds. Um, <clears throat> you know, that was a bad play. You know, he had a pick six in the championship game, I think. You know, good dog fans probably were sitting there holding their head in their hand going, well, gosh, Kirby should, should have put somebody else in. Maybe so, maybe not. Because Stetson Bennett drove him right down the field and threw a bomb uh, and ended up leading them back. And he was a difference uh, in that football game, uh, leading them back to a victory. So that's uh, quite a story, quite a story. I think the Georgia defense played more like the Georgia defense we've been accustomed to uh, all year uh, against the Tide. I don't know how much not having Matchy and Williams had something to do with that. Uh, obviously, when Williams went out, he had five catches and was performing pretty well. Uh, but that's the way that's the way it happens sometimes. And you know, Alabama, the injury bug kind of bit them at times this year, especially at running back. At some other spots, uh, they they looked pretty vulnerable at times this year. And I, I think, frankly, uh, it could have been a different outcome last night had, you know, the injuries not happened. Uh, but I think, frankly, they overachieved 
a little bit relative to kind of their personnel in terms of, you know, the guys they had to count on, they had to step up. Maybe they weren't planning on that with injuries and things of that nature. And, and what really happened was, uh, too, with Alabama's defense is their cornerback situation got a little desperate. Kyrie Jackson, you know, Juco guy they took last year. I think South Carolina was involved with him. Just not ready to play on that stage. Uh, and that's the bottom line. They had to go with him. He got torched. Really looked like he didn't know what he was doing. <clears throat> uh, almost had another bomb for a touchdown against him. Uh, Georgia's receivers took advantage of that, as did Stetson Bennett. So Georgia wins 33-18, first national championship since 1980. Um, half joking with this because it's a different era, but you guys remember, you know, Georgia won it in 1980, Clemson won it in 1981. South Carolina was a win over Navy most likely from playing for it in 84. In Joe Morrison's second season, that was the second season at South Carolina. So who knows what could happen? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'll say this, it's, it's a different era. South Carolina obviously was not in the Southeastern Conference in the division they're in and that kind of thing. However, you know, I, I do think that when you look back on it, the last time those two schools were winning titles, Gamecocks at least had at the time, you know, their best team ever. Uh, three and three years later in 87, then another really good team, but that, that team went eight and four. But, um, you know, you never know. Sometimes it, it ends up being your turn uh, relative to your rivals. And uh, I say that halfway tongue in cheek, but, uh, you know, it's just interesting. You know, first time in 41 years, Georgia's won it. Um, you know, that fan base, uh, no matter what you think about them, uh, I have some dog fans that are friends. I have some dog fans that uh, I know that I probably get on my nerves <laughs> that are my friends that I used to live around uh, in Georgia. Um, all the folks that cover the Bulldogs for us at 24-7 are, are great people and uh, just kind of happy for them. You know, when you think about it, if they weren't South Carolina's border rival or in the same conference, you know, you'd probably have some admiration for a fan base that, quite frankly, is long-suffering, that just couldn't seem to ever get over the hump, that's had some bad luck in some critical situations. Uh, well, last night, the luck, uh, if you can call it luck, the luck uh, turned uh, in favor of the dogs. And so, uh, you know, for all the media folks, all the fans that are my friends out there that are Georgia people, happy for you today. Uh you know, hey, I don't want you guys to get mad at me. Happy for Will Muschamp. You know, that, that's a guy that lost his job last year at South Carolina, um, went to coach with his friend, uh, Kirby. His son is on that team. So, you know, Jackson Muschamp. So, the Muschamp family gets a ring, and uh, I think he did a hell of a job stepping in and coaching uh, for Kirby this year. Uh, and uh, you know, hats off to him for for going to get a national championship ring. I mean, that's uh, at his alma mater. You know, if it was maybe anywhere else, I don't know that I'd I'd say that. But you know, from a human being standpoint, if you look at it, you get a chance to coach at the school you graduated from for the first time in your coaching career, by the way, uh, with a lifelong friend, uh, and your son's on the roster, and you win it all. That's special. First time in 41 years, that's special. 
so, you know, congratulations uh, to, to all those folks. Gamecock basketball tonight. Big challenge, Thompson Bowling Arena, Knoxville, Tennessee. Tennessee lost last time out. Uh, the Vols are number 10 in the net ranking. The Gamecocks are number 100. One thing, you know, the net ranking, Whittle was pointing this out on the message board the other day. I don't get it because, like, the, the Gamecocks are in the 50s or mid-40s in the RPI, the old thing they used to use. Uh, but they're down toward 100. And uh, I think it's the efficiency things that they, they calculate in the stats. I just – I don't know about that, guys. I mean, I, I, I've always kind of felt like, you know, there's all kinds of different ways to win. And I think by that overvalue, and it does look like it's overvalued, by overvaluing it in some ways, you're kind of looking at schools, and I'm not necessarily talking about Carolina, but you're kind of looking at other schools saying, hey, uh, you know, you don't win how we think you should win, so therefore winning doesn't matter. You know, it's more style points, and I don't know about that. You know, margin of victory, I think, is okay. Uh, but uh, this efficiency thing really – I mean, what are we doing here? Are, are, we, are we playing sports or are we playing video games? Uh, is this, you know, athletics or is it, is it fantasy basketball? Uh, that would be my question about it. I know some of you love advanced analytics and stats, and I, I'm, not, I'm not coming down on you for liking it because it is fun. I do think they have some – it has some validity – but when you're talking about that kind of discrepancy with the RPI versus the net, when you're talking about the game cash, you're like, oh, that's, that's, that's kind of interesting, you know. And I think Frank Morton, you know, talked about that. But a chance for a huge quad one win tonight for South Carolina coming off that 72 to 70 win at Vandy. Uh, you know, do I think it'll happen? Um, I would say probably the chance of the, the odds are long. Uh, but you go steal this one. Maybe follow it up with a win against Florida Saturday, and all of a sudden, you know, let's look ahead. You're sort of what I like to call cooking with grease. Um, Florida, and then you go to Arkansas. They're kind of struggling this year, but it's out there. Uh, then Georgia and Vandy come to your place back to back. to back. So even if you split Tennessee-Florida this week, say you go to Arkansas, take an L, you come back, you're four and three at AM at Mississippi State. AM's actually good this year, folks. They haven't been, but they're good. Um, anyway, you kind of slice it this year. South Carolina's going to have to win some games that we don't expect them to win um, to get in the tournament or to get to that level that, that, that uh, you know, where they're on the bubble or whatnot. Oh, they got to go to Auburn, very last game. Two out of the last three games in the SEC are at Bama and at Auburn. Got a home game with Mizzou uh, in there. So it's critical. You know, every game this year is going to be critical uh, in the league. And, you know, South Carolina's just got to got to keep pace. I, I think these guys are capable of doing it. It's just, you know, tough. It's going to be tough, you know, because uh, you, know, you look and all these teams, you know, some so there's some exceptions, but all these teams can kind of knock each other off. South Carolina's going to win their share. So, uh, you know, big win in, in Nashville. Now you got it in Knoxville. Another chance for a big win. Rick Barnes' team, though, is, is very, very good, especially in the post and things like that. Uh, then you got the Gators coming in. 
So if you're South Carolina, I, I you know, I kind of like to play this game and I'm guilty of it because uh, I probably shouldn't of looking ahead and saying, oh, if they win there, they got a chance to do this and, and all that. Follow this basketball team this year. It's probably just one game at a time. It's, it's my guess because, you know, you look and around every corner, uh, there's going to be a big challenge. So tip-offs at 6.30 p.m. SEC Network from Thompson Bowling Arena in Knoxville, Tennessee. Gamecocks and volunteers on the hardwood tonight. Um, certainly a massive challenge for Carolina men's basketball. Congrats to the women. They, uh, they continue to win. They beat Kentucky the other night uh, in front of 12,300 27 fans, 74-54. That's a 20. Kentucky was number 21 in the country. So, uh, you know, Carolina continues to uh, do well and be ranked number one. If, uh, you know, they can hold that and all that. That, that loss to Missouri certainly stings. I can't, I'm kind of looking forward to the next time the women's team plays Missouri. Just, just, just kind of sick of Missouri. How about you guys? Y'all sick of Missouri? I don't, I don't know. So anyway, that, that's what's going on there. <clears throat> and uh, again, you know, three big portal commits yesterday on National Championship Monday uh, for the Gamecocks. And we'll get into the analysis segment now to talk about these guys. I'm going to have some quick hit videos on these guys soon. Got a, a lot of different things, um, you know, going on uh, with all of that. Some content for you. Uh, on the Big Spur YouTube page, check that out, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll just kind of go from there. Um, thank you to Cindy Searfoss from Caldwell Banker Kane Real Estate, my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue, 864-414-5271. Uh, Cindy Searfoss, realtor, she's been in the upstate for more than 35 years, married to a diehard Gamecock fan and a really good guy. Uh, she is very, very willing to help you with all your real estate needs. Uh, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, Cherokee, Greenwood, wherever in the upstate, Cindy is a person that can really help you uh, get it right. Uh, and I know I have a buddy right now that's uh, trying to sell his house in the upstate. And, you know, it's just there's just so many different options and so much you can do with it. It's so confusing right now, not only to. Uh, sell your house, but also go buy a new one because <laughs> you got to have some place to live, right? Can't move in with mom or, or whatever. So Cindy can help you with that. Proud sponsor of the Inside the Game Guys podcast. Please tell her JC sent you. So here we go. Uh, these um, portal guys, I, I, I think, you know, when, when you look at them, like which one, which, you know, well, JC, which one's the biggest, well, you know, the biggest get. And I think obviously it's Wells, the receiver for, from James Madison, <clears throat> that's just such a need, you know, and I think South Carolina, <clears throat> you know, when you look at the receiving core, it, it hasn't been good for two years, top to bottom. Uh, Josh Van was a really good coaching job, really good job by him last year to step up uh, and catch what was it, 43 passes. Uh, I think they completely misused Jaheim Bell by sticking him at tight end. Uh, now, can he play tight end at times in certain packages? Yes. you got to be creative, man. That, that's kind of what offense is all about these days in college football. 
uh, you notice just some of Georgia's D linemen were playing on goal line offense. Uh, so, yeah, you, you got to be flexible. You can't just, you know, again, it's not the NFL, so you can't just plug them into one spot and say go. Uh, you know, and in the bowl game, uh, after they moved to Karen Joyner to quarterback, um, you know, Bell got to play, you know, some of that spot. And, and, and you know, he had a 20-yard run the first play of the game. Uh, huge factor. I think you see his explosiveness, his playmaking ability. There, there's just no reason why, you know, on a team that lacks playmakers like that, you know, you couldn't do that with him. And, and nothing against the carry Joiner because uh, I want to say this. I, I think he's a, like I said. I think he's a quarterback, and I think he'd probably tell you he's a quarterback. Um, at receiver, he's probably like a C minus, average at best. Uh, at quarterback, the carry could be B, B plus, A. I mean, I mean, I, honestly, you know, you guys, uh, there's some there's some haters out there, but uh, you know, you, you guys uh, at quarterback for the carry. But believe me, I, I think honestly, if he stays at South, he's playing. You know, there, there's no nothing that says he's planning on leaving or anything. But next year, I, I just would not play him at receiver. I think that's ridiculous. Uh, because you eat snaps when you put him at receiver. And you keep Jaheim Bell from making plays and Amarian Brown from making plays and keep them off the field. Um, and it's not that DeKaren's a bad receiver. He just, you know, uh, he, he's not as dynamic as he is a quarterback, okay? Uh, maybe he moved to running back. I don't know. I, I don't know what the deal is there. But uh, I would move him quarterback and say compete for the job and – Spencer Rattler has a great year and moves on, and the carry-on as a fifth-year senior could be the starter. I mean, you know, not counting Luke Doty out, certainly not counting Tanner Bailey or, or Braden Davis out, but, you know, sometimes you have to go through a year like Carolina did in 2014 where, you know, it's Dylan Thompson's year, and there he goes. Uh, I, I think that when you watch to carry on play quarterback in the bowl game, you have to be that impressed now, now you know, so you don't, you don't, you know, you don't put him at receiver. I, I think his receiving days, unless it's in a pinch, unless there's injuries, I, I think they're over. And I think they have to be, I mean, cause you clearly have, you know, a better situation <laughs> when you put bell or whoever out there. But anyway, besides that, you think about bell you think about Van, uh, we hope, everybody hopes, Amarian Brown, uh, the, the bowl game. Again, here's somebody that you know, went out and played, and you're not, you're not tossing passes to, to, you know, you're tossing passes to a guy that's a 4-3 guy. Um, you, you hope that he, you know, the light came on and he's good to go. Uh, but, but you need somebody else that can, can really make things happen, and Antoine Wells is that guy. 80 receptions last year, just a record-breaking type of guy. Um, 6'1", 204 pounds, you know, fast. I shoot, you know, th this guy, Spencer Rattler, was very happy that they got this guy, and, and I don't blame him, honestly, don't blame him. Uh, because this, this is another pass catcher. Now, people are asking about Kobe Hudson, the Auburn transfer. There's some question about has he been in contact with the Gamecocks or not. And I can tell you this, he, he's he's talked to like he's talked through some players on the roster, some current players that he's friends with and things like that had expressed interest. You know, he's got, he's got to get up with the coaching staff and 
uh, set a visit. That was Auburn's leading receiver last year. He was a, a big-time recruit out of uh, LaGrange Troop County in Georgia. So we'll see kind of what happens. Tank Bigsby School, so we'll see what happens there. But uh, Kobe Hudson is in play, and there could be one more coming up. So, you know, Wells was a big pickup in the transfer portal uh, for the Gamecocks. And, you know, you have when, when you start looking at Van coming back, Bell being there, like I said, I, I, I think it's a huge mistake if, if they keep Joyner at receiver. Um, I think he's going to be a quarterback. I think that, that's obvious to anybody. Uh, do I think that's going to happen? No, because I've been surprised a lot lately. And uh, I think that would be position grouping malpractice uh, if they did that. Because if you put Joyner out there, he's a returning starter, you have to start it. You know, you know so he eats snaps. Uh, I think the kid's a really good quarterback. Now, now, maybe he proves me wrong. You know, maybe he has a Josh Van type year. I just don't think, you know, I, I just think DeCarry and Joyner on the football field as a quarterback is night and day different than DeCarry and Joyner on the field as a receiver. And look, I'll say I was wrong. I think we all were about Joyner and what his true position should be. And I think everybody just tried to move him. I was moving him here, and lo and behold, he's a quarterback. And, uh, sticking by that. And people are like, well, how do you, can, you, can you tell from just one game? That was the best one game any quarterback had this past year. <laughs> you know, I know Jason Brown played pretty well uh, in, in the two wins against Auburn and Florida, but it was nothing like what Joyner did. I mean, did, did you see the – vertical passes did you see the, the command of the offense you see him get out of trouble get rushing yards I mean you saw all that you know it's clear and uh and I'm not I'm not blaming the coaching staff for not moving him earlier in the season because none of us knew I mean that's a big old hindsight hot take and I'm not looking back I'm looking forward Looking forward, if you take Jaheim Bell off the field or Amarian Brown off the field or Wells off the field to start joining at receiver, that's stupid. You know, I, I, I think that's just not, you know, and, and I'm not trying to be, you know, Mr. Coach or anything there, and I understand Joiner works hard and practices hard, but you got to get your guys out there because you, you've got somebody that can deliver the football now, you know. And so that's uh, that's my deal. I won't say too much about that. But Wells has to be the biggest one. Uh, you know, best player besides Wells, I think it's probably Devontae Reed. Uh, again, you know, you, you look at this guy and what he did at Central Michigan, some games against SEC opponents. You know, there's pick sixes. And he's an eraser on defense. He will knock you in the next week. Uh First player I can remember the Gamecocks having from Michigan in a while. Heck, they've got enough players out of South Carolina over the years, right? Um, but came down, uh, loved it, committed, head hunting, hard hitting, you know, and like I said, Foster's leaving. Uh, and so you got RJ Roderick back. You know, there's a lot of questions uh, other than that. I, I, I'd say look out for Dequandre Smith, maybe not this year, but the next year back there. But, uh, Reed is a nice, nice stopgap, and this kid can play. And I, and I think uh, when you look at the Chippewas games against whoever, uh, some big-time opponents, he played really, really well. So I think he'll fit in just fine. 
Uh, Terrell Dawkins, I mentioned the other day, uh, probably a question of personnel use at NC State, what they were asking him to do. Then Christian Bill Smith's very intriguing. He, you know, like I said, that wake rushing attack, he, he's very productive this year. Uh, I think what he brings to the table is competitive depth. He comes in. Uh, Marshawn Lloyd's going to have to hold him off, but Dallas going to have to hold him off. Amos is going to have to hold him off for carries. Uh, and, and also, you know, if you have injuries at, at that position, uh, you know, you have a guy that's, you know, played a lot of college football uh, coming your way. And we all remember what happened with the last Wake Forest running back to transfer out. Uh, going to Michigan State, he ended up being a Heisman finalist. But Bill Smith's a good player. Uh, and, you know, I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see who the the starting running back is, you know, this coming year and how they use Juju McDowell. That's always going to be a question uh, and all of that. But Christian Bill Smith from the triad, Kernersville, I think is what you call it, um, another really good pickup. So, you know, we're going to see what happens. I got a 2023 note in. Um, number one, a pair of Jacksonville. Prospects hadn't talked about uh, Jacksonville in a while. Jacksonville prospects. Trayon Webb, who used to be committed to Georgia, I think, or somewhere else. He's visiting Georgia and South Carolina. Uh, Big-time player out of Trinity Christian. Uh, Another Jacksonville player, uh, Hill McGranahan, entered a crystal ball for uh, linebacker Grayson Howard uh, from Andrew Jackson in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, he has Arkansas, Auburn, Florida, Florida State, lots of uh, Louisville, Miami, Tennessee, Texas A&M, Virginia Tech, uh, tons of tons of offers. And four-star guy, he'll think South Carolina's getting him. So, you know, Jacksonville sometimes, he shoot. South Carolina hadn't really recruited there all that much. Uh, I think uh, Tyrese Ross is originally from Jacksonville, but um, the transfer from Washington State. But Grayson Howard, uh, 6'3", 215. I, th- I think he's a hell of a young linebacker prospect. And, you know, like I said, four-star guy, number 25 linebacker prospect as the ratings go right now for 2023. Uh, so I think, uh, I think I think this could be a potential. People ask me all the time, who's the first commit for the next cycle? Well, this could be the guy. He, he made several unofficial visits. He was uh, Florida Times Union All First Coast, uh, 100 tackles. I mean, this guy's a, you know, he could be the best linebacker out of Jacksonville since Shaq Wilson, who obviously is helping to recruit Grayson Howard. So that's a little note, news and notes uh, from uh, our little news note uh, in the analysis segment from 2023. I don't really understand how the uh, 24-7 sports team rankings are working these days. really think they need to revamp it, revisit it, uh, look at the formula, decide what makes sense. You know, South Carolina gets those two guys, and their overall ranking drops. (laughs) Uh, I don't know how you add those four, and your ranking drops. I mean, it doesn't make much sense to me. to 23rd overall, uh, Gamecocks are still 22nd in terms of the the high school rankings or, or all that. But I, you know, I just look at it; I, it just baffles me uh, a little bit. When you just take the transfers out, you know, South Carolina has a and rate them. South Carolina's top 10, number nine 
nationally uh, with just the transfers. And, you know, the Gamecocks don't have terribly large numbers. Florida State's number one with nine. USF has 14. Uh, Indiana, 10. You know, it goes down, and then the Gamecocks have six. And, you know, and then, and then you got how they're rated. I mean, it's like, you know, Devonnie Reed, I'd, I'd be curious to see what other safety in the portal is a four-star guy or whatever, because it just it doesn't make much sense uh, that he's like he is. I mean, like I said, you watch his film for, you know, 20 seconds. And, I, and I'm sure the three-star rating is coming for Wells, too. But, you know, the, the individual player ratings don't necessarily bother me as much as, you know, what is counting, what is, you know, what, what are you – you know, what's going on? <laughs> and uh, in fairness, I have said many times, you know, the, it's going to take these guys a couple of years because you got to start crunching data. You got to say, I think the tendency now is going to be, uh, okay, well, you know, like JUCOs, you know, they've been out of, you know, if you're a JUCO, in other words, when I did it, we made the, the decision to say, okay, the top JUCO cannot be a 99 five-star, right? Uh, number one, the curve for JUCOs is different. They, they tend to not pan out, that kind of thing. You know, so let, let's just say with JUCO ratings, you know, because you detour to JUCO, that, that, that can impact your development. Um, the ceiling's a 92. That's the highest JUCO. Okay, great. So – it looks like that's kind of the philosophy they're taking here with the portal, but these guys haven't detoured to JUCO. They've been in Division One. A lot of them have been in Division One programs, you know, FCS level programs, college weight programs, all that. Um, so I do believe there needs to be sort of a a, a different look than JUCO. It looks like they're going with the JUCOs, and then the percentage of how they count toward the class is lower. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how they are justifying what, you know, with, with whatever. So, you know, we'll see sort of uh, how that plays out. I tell everybody don't pay that much attention to the ranking. You know, people were freaking out on signing day about, you know, losing Jay Sean Barham, which numerically caused the class to drop 10 points. Look, folks, I, t- 10, 10 spots, not points. Look, I tell you all the time, there's not a lot of difference between the 15th class, 25th class, 22nd class, whatever. And that should show show you because that guy, that one kid, you know, dropped it, dropped it 10 spots. You know, so don't freak out. Don't freak out. And, and I think, too, with the portal, the, 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 the way they do the rankings will evolve quickly. I mean, there's smart people working on it. It's just – and I get it, you know, because you, you, you sit there and – you know, in this business and you're, you kind of got something kind of, you know, like a hood, like a hood on and, and tunnel vision and recruiting. And you think in terms of the rules and the rankings rules and stuff like that. And then it's hard to break free of that really hard. And, um, you know, there almost needs to be a wall almost. Okay. These people do high school, ratings, but then you get somebody else to look at them in college and go, okay, okay, okay. And they probably need to do it blindly, you know, without reference to, to, to school. Maybe they do it. Maybe they do say FCS, you know, cause it is a different level. 
versus power five versus G five or whatever. But uh, I just, you know, I, I almost think too, you know, you, you got a kid transferring out of, and I'm not going to use Alabama uh, as, as a, as a reference, but you get, you got a kid transfer, let's say out of LSU, lots of guys left LSU. Well, what's to say they can play, you know, LSU's had a lot of turmoil since the, the, the national championship and, you know, how hard were they getting developed? How hard were they working? That thing. I mean, you get a guy at Alabama, you know, it's been in Alabama for three or four years. If he's lasted that long at Alabama, you know, that guy's probably pretty damn good. You know, uh, I'd argue the same at Clemson. You know, if you got a guy leaving Clemson after three or four years, probably pretty good, probably a pretty good player. But, um, you know, then some of your better guys, I mean, I don't know how, you would uh, – I mean, Jamison Williams from Alabama is probably the opposite of that. You know, he, he, only seven catches at Ohio State. So, you think, well, is he just not good enough to play there? No, he's just behind better players because Alabama does what he does. So, you know, there are all these questions and, and all these different, I guess, uh, angles uh, when it comes to evaluating the portal. Um, I would just say, trust me, Devontae Reed is a baller. Antoine Wells is a baller. Uh, Bill Smith and Terrell Dawkins, North Carolina kids that you would have hoped to have gotten uh, way back when. Uh, all four can help. Uh, and then don't forget the two kids from Oklahoma, Austin Stogner and Spencer Rattler are already in. So that's uh, that's going to be really, really interesting uh, for South Carolina, especially on offense this year, to watch the impact. Okay. Sorry about that, of the transfer portal. So there we go. All right, time for the iHelp Consulting mailbag. iHelp Consulting, Daniel Owens. Uh, Really, really happy that Daniel Owens uh, is sponsoring the iHelp Consulting mailbag. Uh, iHelp Consulting is a business that's Gamecock owned and operated. It's iHelpConsulting.com. They literally... Uh, will go and look through your business and say how much you're paying for internet, how much you're paying for insurance, how much you're doing for credit card processing. That's a big one. And they can find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality. Uh, they saved one business $48,000 annually. Uh, and how do they get paid? You're like, well, what if he charges me $56,000 and I only save $48,000? I'm out eight grand. No. They just take a percentage of what you save. And if they look at it, they say, ah, you're doing pretty much everything uh, well and you're, you know, we can't save you any money, then that's it. You don't pay them a dime. Uh, they really back up their work at iHelp Consulting. So 843-372-5713, 843-372-5713, or visit iHelpConsulting.com. Schedule your free consultation. It uh, doesn't hurt if you're a business owner to get Daniel in there, get him crunching numbers, looking at it, examining everything. And I promise you, uh, he will not do you wrong. Please tell him JC sent you. That's 843-372-5713, iHelpConsulting.com. So there's two ways to get into the iHelp Consulting mailbag. And you guys have done well. Usually I'll skip a day or so and I'll have questions or sometimes no questions, but I've got questions. So here we go. Um, so Gary says, here are the 
stats for what you were talking about today on the podcast. Uh, 1,075 FBS scholarship players have entered since August 1st. Uh, 374 players announced new schools. 36.1% of all the players have announced new, new schools. And 662 remain in the portal. This is from Rivals. I don't know if they're behind or not because our numbers are different, but that's okay. It doesn't matter. Um, that's still, you know, only 36% have found a home, and we'll see what that number is at the end of the day. But, um, you know, there we go. Uh, Gamecock Fan 3 tweets in. Oh, yeah, and there's two ways to do it. You can tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. I think I forgot to say that. Or email inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. These are the tweets. Gamecock Fan 3 comes in. He says, JC, three big pickups in the last few days. I've lost count. But where are we at with numbers allowed to bring in now the 32 spots that I think we had? How many are left and how would you use them? I think they've got two or three left. I'd probably do another receiver, maybe a linebacker and a running back. Um, some folks may have to wait until August uh, if they're willing, and that's fine. But uh, that, that that's the deal there. Uh, you know, at some point – it's got to be best player, I would think. Um, but I sure as heck would try to get a uh, another receiver, especially depending on who it is. I'll just put it that way. Um, Kobe Hudson would be on that list. If I can get Kobe Hudson, Auburn's leading receiver from a year ago, I don't really care what happened down there. Uh, that was a bad situation for a lot of people at Auburn this season. Uh, I'm going to go and uh, grab him. So there we go. But, yeah. Four big pickups. Four for four. All four. Golf Cox, you got your wish. Need another pod with all the commitments. What a run. Yes, sir. I aim to please. Joe Sports Caller. JC, it seems we have answers at quarterback and playmakers with some of the transfers. What are the answers in 2022 on the offensive line? Seems like a huge area of concern for 2022 if we want to be successful. All right, so folks that are out there, clamoring for the offensive line. Oh, God, you know, you got to go get help on the O-line. Um, I understand why, because your eyes do not deceive you. There were times this year where the offensive line could not block <laughs> to save its life. Uh, confusion, guys blocking the wrong guys, guys, you know, O-laying. I promise you that 70% of that was confusion. Uh probably 30% of it was they just got beat, got whipped. And that happens in the SEC. You know, you're never going to get a perfect offensive line in this league. Alabama recruits as well as anybody in the country up front. Did you see those guys last night? How much pressure was on Bryce Young? How much pressure was on Stetson Bennett? The defensive lines are too good. Okay. So, you know, anybody out there that's, that's hoping the Gamecocks sort of, uh, you know, recreate the hogs from the Redskins and the Joe Gibbs era, it's not going to happen, all right? What you want is to be able to give your offense a chance, be able to block, you know, be able to to get out there and um, and compete, compete. And and, and this group, uh, two years ago, when Mike Bobo was in, they went out there and competed. I think they competed in 2019. 
were they a great unit in 2019? No, I thought they were really good in 2018. Uh, and, I, and I'll say this right now. If you don't think the 2018 offensive line was really, really good, then you don't really understand. Uh, you, you go look and look at how the 2018 offensive line performed against Clemson and uh, with all those guys they have at Clemson in 2018. Um, you know, and, and a lot of those guys that were played in that game are still on the roster. So, look, I, I, you, you also cannot expect to go in the transfer portal with the numbers South Carolina has on the offensive line and say, we're going to rebuild it through the portal. You know, because you're, you're not necessarily going to be able to find the quality players. Uh, if you didn't have anybody, if your numbers were short, then, yeah, I think you, you get desperate and take a flyer and, you know, take a guy. But I, I want to say this. I, I've noticed with fans because, again, guys, you, your eyes do not deceive you. They're not deceiving you um, as, to the, as to a problem. But the solution – uh, unless you find a right, if they if Carolina found a no doubt no brainer starting left tackle uh, for next year, yes, obviously you go on him. That's a game changer. That solidifies things. But if you can't find that, you know there's no need to go get a warm body. You have numbers. You have warm bodies. Uh, on top of that, everybody's coming back. And if you really think about it, if you if you look at it individually. You know, not so much the line playing together because you know, line not being cohesive, not playing together, that's coaching, not talent. Um, if you look at it individually, Dylan Wanham's had some good moments here. Javon Gwen's had some good moments here. Eric Douglas needs to get stronger. He's probably going to get beat out, just being straight with you there, but he's had some good moments here. Uh, Vershawn Lee was probably the best – Offensive lineman consistently last year. Tashawn Wanamaker went up there and competed. You know, Ja'Kai Moore's had some good moments here. Jalen Nichols stepped in at right tackle against Georgia, a game the Gamecocks won as a true freshman and held his own. Uh, about the only one that's been consistently disappointing is Jazz Turnantine. And so your hope is Moore and Nichols and Wanamaker, and, you know, those guys can – Maybe Case and Henry, the true freshman, can step in and you don't have to play it. Or maybe he's a backup. You know, so, so that's the thing with that. You know, Carolina, there's no excuse and no reason why the offensive line played like it did at times this past year. Uh, and there's also no excuse why they can't get them better. You know, is this a offensive line full of, you know, outstanding top-level draft picks, Outland tro- whatever, whatever trophy they 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 Remington Award or whatever. No. Uh, is, is this a offensive line that should be, you know, middle of the pack in the SEC, given that a lot of these guys are in their fifth, sometimes sixth year? Yeah, that's what you want up front. You're never going to do any better than that. People are like, well, they don't recruit enough elite talent. Look at the offensive lines around the country yet again. You know, who, who – and not the two teams last night. I mean, you look up at Clemson, you know, who – that's probably not the best example because, you know, this year they struggled up front. But there's other – I mean, you know, who you tell me who has nothing but five stars on the offensive line. It's not – doesn't happen. Uh, in fact, even teams that recruit a bunch of five stars, sometimes the three-star kid will beat them out because it's so developmental. 
And and even if you wanted to use that as a barometer, let's hit the microphone again. Got to pause it here. Um, Javon Gwynn was a four-star. Dylan Wanham was a four-star. Ja'Kai Moore was a four-star. You know, Vershawn Lee was not, but talked about him. He's really good. Tyshawn Wanamaker was four stars up until uh, I guess people kind of thought, oh, well, he's committed to South Carolina for like 18 months. And, you know, we just need to move some guys down. So let's move him down. Uh, his high school film wasn't that good, but you can see the upside. Uh, yeah, I mean, Trey Jones, uh, our guy had um, had him in the, the, the top 247. At Abbeville. So there are a lot of highly rated guys that, that are on the offensive line in South Carolina. I think one part of the problem is they were all recruited so damn long ago because they've been here for so long. You guys probably don't remember. Uh, but trust me, there may come a day where you're missing these guys big time, you know. And, and so don't, you know, I, I, I just, I just kind of more focus on getting these guys. They've got better. If a tackle comes along, great. If not, you know, I think the Gamecocks have enough to at least be decent. Thanks, Joe Sports Caller. Uh, Jay Hill, I think first-time tweeter. JC, how does the portal affect long-term thinking in high school recruiting? Did you see a higher emphasis on OL and DL with the thought that you can consistently fill skill position holes with guys from the portal? No, uh, I think there's always going to be a balance with both um, – what I do see happening here, John, is you're not going to see teams as as panicky, especially teams around South Carolina's. All right, so it used to be – I'll give you an example. You know, you'd get down to the end, and you've got two guys committed, and Ohio State and Florida State won both. And so they flip, and then who's left on your board? You're down to, like, the sixth guy, and you're just going to get him. Now, sometimes that guy would work out, but most of it wouldn't. And, and, you know, or if you're, you know, in a certain area and you're getting shut out and you don't want to get shut out in your area, you'll take a flyer on a guy with no idea if he could play. Um, if you notice what South Carolina did in recruiting this year, you know, yes, they went after top guys. Tied in Oscar Delp. Well, Delp didn't work. You didn't see them going off for the next guy. You know, you didn't see them go off for Sap from Greenville or, or somebody like that. They were like, all right, we'll chill and go to the portal. You know, South Carolina didn't get Ramon Brown. Uh, all right, we'll chill and go to the portal at running back. You know, South Carolina uh, didn't really have uh, a, a bunch of high school receivers after a certain level that they wanted. They want to land in Samson and all that. So, hey, well, let's wait and go to the portal. Uh, and so that's what I think you're going to see is, uh, you know, not necessarily the, the, the priority is going to be number one on uh, on high school guys, but you're, you're going to see balance. And, and it's going to depend on need and who you got at the high school level and all that good stuff. Um, but I do think it, it's clearly going to uh, be a lot different, you know, in terms of, you know, at, at a school like, like South Carolina, where you're just sometimes if you miss out on your top two or three guys, you're, you're scrambling. Now, where do you scramble? In state. You know, where do you take developmental guys in state? In state. You know, five guys they got this cycle in state. You know, that that's kind of where 
your focus is unless you find just a super sleeper in Florida or something like that. So, uh, so that's what I see. I, I don't, I don't necessarily think there's going to be like, okay, we're going to get all our uh, linemen from high school and develop them. Then we're going to just uh, do the portal. Uh, and I'm saying so, some schools may do that, but I, I don't think you have to do it at South Carolina. I really don't. I, I think it's going to be more of a, okay, instead of getting into our, you know, second and third, you know, group here, uh, I think that uh, you're just going to go to the portal. All right, so let's cut it there, go to the portal, you know, that kind of thing. Gamecock Pastor, when all of this offseason success is said or done, what is the floor for this Gamecock team on the field in 2022, given the landscape of the SEC, specifically the East? And South Carolina can finish second in the East next year, I think. Just to be honest, I the more I look at Kentucky and who they have coming back, the more I think that's going to be a bear. <laughs> Chris, Wondell Robinson's leaving, but Rodriguez is back. I think their offensive line is back. Several of their two linebackers on defense, Square, Squire, and uh, Jaquez Jones are back. It's in Lexington, that game. <laughs> uh, they've owned the Gamecocks, but uh, South Carolina's going to that one with significantly more firepower on offense, hopefully, than they did this year. You know, Florida's in transition. Um, uh, you know, I don't know, Billy Napier, they're, they're, they're preaching patience down there. Uh, I love what Tennessee did this year offensively. They've got their guy Hooker back. Um, you know, will they be better on defense? That game's in Columbia. You know, Georgia, I think we're going to start to see, we'll have some attrition to the NFL or otherwise. You know, but South Carolina, I, I think it finished second in the East next year. If things come together, if they avoid injury, if they – fix the offense, if they fix the offensive line. There's a lot of ifs, but, um, you know, that's the ceiling. You, you mentioned the floor. There there never is a floor, uh, Gamecock Pastor, just because – and there really – man, the ceiling, if you said there never is a ceiling, there's not a ceiling, uh, people think, oh, they can win the national championship. So, so there's the ceiling, second in the East, contending in the East, whatever you want to say. Uh, the floor – who knows? If you suffer a lot of injuries and have to depend on freshmen with the schedule they have, you could lose. You could lose. If they don't fix the offense, they could lose. Lots of games. So uh, that's that with that. Thomas says, hey, JC, thanks for the hot pot. I appreciate it. I noticed Steve Fink a lot more at football games. Is he more involved with Beaver than he was with Will? If you ever want another person for the pod, just let me know. I have questions to spare. Would love to be on. Thanks, Thomas. I um, no, Steve. Th there's been no change with him. Um, if you uh, if you look at the Vanderbilt South Carolina game in 2016 in Nashville when it's Will Muschamp's first game, Steve Fink was celebrating on the sidelines after that field goal went through. So it's not um, – there's no no more involvement than there was with Will. Uh, that, that hasn't changed. Steve does a great job, though. Really like that guy. This guy's like, oh, another um, rival wins. What's your way early score prediction on the 17th of September with the dogs coming to Columbia? I don't know. I I think if anything, you can, you can say, like I said earlier – 
maybe the Gamecocks won't be bringing a uh, a knife to a gunfight like they have been at times against certain teams. Uh, but you never know. I mean, you'd have to look at, you know, who's Georgia coming back? You know, who are they bringing back? You know, who's going to be their quarterback? Is Stetson Bennett coming back? Uh, who they lose off defense? Who does South Carolina have? Is South Carolina healthy? What do the Gamecocks look like at Arkansas? That kind of thing. Um, so you just have to kind of factor all that in. But I'll tell you this, uh, that's going to be exciting when that happens because uh, Georgia is – for the first time since uh, 1981, <laughs> they'll be – I think – did Georgia play at South Carolina in 81? I think so. They'll be coming to Columbia as the defending national champion, Georgia Bulldogs. Last time a team from Georgia came to Williams-Price as the defending national champs, 1991. I think South Carolina beat Georgia Tech 23-14 to in that one. Three-win Gamecock team that year upset Tech at Williams-Price. Isaiah, as we switch to the mailbag, the, the inbox, uh, inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Hey, JC, I've had a thought about how to use DeCarry and Joiner next year, and I thought I'd share it to you. What are your thoughts about having DK in a role similar to Debo for the 49ers? I can see him at running back, rushing for a few snaps, playing some receiver. Uh, seems like Debo and DeCarry have the same body type, and both are built like running backs with the exception of the Debo is definitely faster than DK. Um, Isaiah, what I would like to see is, okay, so I'm not in favor of Joyner playing receiver anymore. Uh, I just, I, I, I don't want to call it a failed experiment, but it's been three years and, you know, we'll see what we see what's happened. It's, you've gotten from F to C minus, but I think, you know, what I would be curious to see, and John Whittle actually had this idea a long time ago. What's he like taking the ball from scrimmage? In other words, like in a running back type of a role. You know, you know, I have questions about that too because in the Wildcats this year, where he would take it and just run from scrimmage, it just didn't look good. I mean, out and kind of in the, in space, or he's dropping back, looking downfield. That's just kind of where that kid's talent is, and I and I, I like it. You know, I, I do. As I've said, I, I think Joyner could be the – if they work with him at it, I think he could be the starter in 2023. Um, and I don't know that anybody's given him the chance uh, since when Holinsky beat him out for the, for the backup job. Uh, I don't know if anybody's given him a chance to go prepare, you know, get ready. Uh, and I think his, his his passing ability's gotten a lot better. I mean, he's nine for nine, guys. <laughs> uh, threw a beautiful deep ball to Jaheim earlier, so I, I don't know what more people want. But uh, I would leave him at quarterback just because if you don't, you know, they he's going to be what I call a snap eater. It's going to take other good players off the field and uh, negatively impact your offense. Um yeah, so so that that's just my take there. Uh, is he needs to, you know, be a quarterback? But I am intrigued, Isaiah. I think it's a good idea about him being maybe doing some running back type stuff. Uh, so I get you there, and, and that that's a good idea. I appreciate it. Um, Chris, my says my wish came true. 
got Wells on board. I know you're not an X's and O's guy by trade, but as the roster sits now, or even if we have the Auburn receiver into the mix, how do you think the guys we have will we put on the field? I assume if we go two tight end set, you put Bell, Kenyon, and Stogner in. But in three wide receiver sets, uh, Van plays the X, Wells plays the opposite side, or Brown, Sampson, Bell, DK in the slot. Just want to know your thoughts. So it's a much better problem to have here. Satterfield going to year two. It's been a while since I've been able to say South Carolina could go empty set and have success. Thanks for keeping up with all this so I don't have to. Uh, I, I think Stogner, you can pencil him in at tight end. I'm looking at Jenkins maybe going back to tight end. Uh, and play a more of a flex role, especially since Jenkins blocks so well at receiver. Uh, I think Landon Salmon is going to play a, a big part. W- what I would do if I'm Marcus Satterfield is they need to cross-train their receivers more than, than – or, or make sure if you're not that you don't have all your top guys at one spot. That's just dumb. Um, and, and I think Bell needs to be on the field. Uh, I would guess Wells will need to be on the field. Uh, they're either Brown, you know, Brown or Samson, but, but I, I think, you know, Van, obviously, you know, I, I think Van Bell and probably Wells, uh, will be your guys. And, and you just gotta get, get them, feed them, get them the rock, get them the rock and don't put them at the same spot. And please don't put Jaheim Bell as a pencil and, pigeonhole him in as a tight end. I said this uh, over the summer on J.B. Goldwater. They quoted me on it, put it on Twitter. Marcus Satterfield's biggest problem is going to be not putting a square peg in a round hole. And what I meant by that was don't sit there and force. If you got Jaheim Bell, don't just sit there and put that dude in a box and say you're a tight end. That's it. I mean, nobody plays guys like Jaheim Bell like that. Look at Kyle Pitts from Florida last year. Yeah, listed as a tight end, certainly. (laughs) More like a big receiver, tight end, does this, that, and the other. I mean, jack of all trades. Same with Jalen Samuels and NC State. And they have somebody like that in Jaheim Bell. He's, you know, special talent. You know, get your best guys out there at all, all times and, you know, quit playing, you know, quit setting it up to where, your offense is so complex that the, the, the way to get on the field is to know the plays better. And, and, and you're sitting guys on the bench that can score touchdowns for you. You know, that, that's, that's my contention there uh, with, with Bell. And, you know, I, I think the way they used, I don't care what you call him, the way they used him against North Carolina was brilliant. And I think that needs to continue because you know what teams are going to start to, uh, Look at that. They're going to go, oh, we got to stop zero, right? Well, guess what? That means Van's going to be open. Or that means uh, Wells is going to be open or Samson or, or whoever, you know, so it's good. You know, and that's how you beat teams is you like, you don't, you don't let them go, hey, we only have to worry about one guy. And I think that's what, I'm convinced that's what North Carolina did. I think they came in and said, we got to worry about Josh Van. And Josh Van didn't make a catch. And then the rest of them beat him. So. I appreciate you, Chris. Thank you so much for the uh, for the email. And yeah, yeah, Wells is from his hometown, Richmond. Hey, JC, how about those Gamecocks? Three transfer commits announced in the single day. Is the expectation for all three to start and make an impact in year one? Um, 
there's four. So I, I would say that Reed, you can go ahead and say Reed and Wells. I feel good about them starting. Terrell Dawkins, Christian Bill Smith, to be determined. Because they, they, South Carolina's obviously got players coming back that have started uh, that are at those positions at running back and defensive end. So, but I think they'll all make an impact. Uh, I think these are all older guys that they like that can make an impact. Daniel says, hey, JC, does Georgia winning the national championship make a difference in Gamecock recruiting? Does it make it more difficult, or do you think it will still be about the same since we don't battle head-to-head on many players? I think Georgia, what you got to look out for with them is them coming over and, and swiping a Channing Tindall, uh, who, by the way, took him a while. He's, he's playing some ball now, right? Uh, our Tyrion Ingram Dawkins. You know, they've gotten, they haven't really gotten a bunch out of the Palmetto State. Uh, but historically, they haven't. You know, for, for every uh, Robert Gathers or, uh, you know, uh, Richard Seymour, Tim Jennings, A.J. Green, you know, they, they, they've tried and lost on two or three. Uh, they thought they went hard on birds. They liked Huntley, that kind of thing. But uh, that, that, that's what you really have to be careful with is, is them starting to come into the state. And uh, you're not going to be able to do anything about them getting guys every now and then like they have historically. That's just going to happen. But you don't want them coming in and just taking, taking the top two. Like I said, there's two five-stars in the state. They take them both. Uh, but they're recruiting already so well. Uh, especially on paper, uh, I, I think if there's a you know a, a team that Georgia winning at all is, is problematic for, or a couple of teams, it's probably like Alabama and Clemson, just because they all th- those two tend to go after the same guys in Georgia and in Alabama sometimes, and, and so I think that would be the uh, the challenge there. Uh, as far as that, but they, they, you know, they're already a pain to recruit against. So it's not, it's not like it, it changes the game cocks up much in, in my opinion. All right, Daniel, thanks for the email. And uh, look, we're done again today. How about that? Uh, very good podcast yet again. Wanted to get on here cause I was getting tweets and you know, all you guys were like, Hey, come, uh, come to a podcast. Cause you got all those commits and that's good. Uh, once again, uh, Terrell Dawkins, who we talked about earlier this week from Concord, North Carolina, NC State, defensive end, 6'4", 240, he's in. And then yesterday, Devonnie Reed, stud safety, probably my favorite player out of the three, but I like safeties that will, you know, knock you into next week and that have ball skills. Uh, Antoine Wells from James Madison, wide receiver. That was almost a relief to get him just because they need help with that position and then running back. Christian Beal Smith, Wake Forest leading rusher, uh, coming into that running back room uh, to play for Carolina next year. And then there's more to come. South Carolina is not done recruiting this cycle just yet. And it has been very, very exciting. Don't forget Gamecock basketball tonight, 630. Balls and the Gamecocks, Thompson Bowling Arena, Knoxville, Tennessee. Gamecocks looking to go to two and one in the conference, get another massive road win in the SEC. This is J.C. Sherbert. I'll be hollering at you guys soon inside the Gamecocks podcast.